and Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, tweeted, Tonight we pray for the firefighters tackling the tragic Notre Dame fire and for everyone in France and beyond who watches and weeps for this beautiful sacred place where millions have met with Jesus Christ. The Archbishop of Canterbury has captured in a simple short tweet the essence of what Notre Dame, that beautiful sacred place, is all about. What is it for? A place where people meet with Jesus Christ. Yes, of course, it means a great deal to so many different people, as we've seen from the responses and the moving outcomes of what has happened. But fundamentally, first and foremost, that is what it is. That is what any church is, what any cathedral is, a place where people meet Jesus Christ. Of course, people meet with Jesus Christ anywhere and everywhere. He is not limited to buildings, but there's something about sacred places, sacred spaces, where people encounter the living God in Jesus in a way that is quite unique. Well, Jesus, in the face of his impending passion and death, wanted to remind his disciples what they were about as a community. His passion was to die for the world and to rise again for our salvation. But his passion also included that longing that his mission, that God's purpose to see God's love revealed and to see love overcome evil in our world for communities of reconciliation and peace to be formed should be continued through his church, through that bunch of frail people who began as his disciples and yet who Jesus knew would be empowered by the same spirit that was in Christ to continue that work and to enable his mission to go forward. And so, facing this massive suffering where any one of us would have just been completely consumed with ourselves, Jesus is thinking of others, not only of his disciples, but of us, of every person in the world. How are they going to know what life in its fullness can look like if it's not modelled by communities where people are loving one another? where enemies are becoming friends, where the weak and the poor are cared for, and where hope and worship is so just beyond description that people are in awe and inspired by the one who makes that happen. That's what Christ wanted to do, to build the communities. It's sometimes said that Christ, Jesus Christ never wrote a book. He formed a community. And that's what he's doing here in these, um, in these events of the Last Supper. And I'm deeply grateful to Graham Tomlin for 
helping me to see this for the first time. I hadn't really um, seen that as what Jesus was doing. But now I look, it's quite obvious. So let's consider these things. The Passover meal. There's the context for it in verse 14 of Luke's Gospel. Jesus says to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I eagerly desired, I really wanted to do this. Well, of course, the Passover was the event, the great event in the Hebrew, the history of God's people, the Israelites, who were celebrating uh, an identity that they were given by God as people who were rescued. They were slaves. That was their identity in Egypt. Now, through God's grace and his miraculous power, they are given a new identity. They were slaves, but now they are rescued. They are set free. They are entering into the promises that God has, the promised land. Once slaves, now set free. The angel of death, you remember, passed over the Israelites during that deadly plague and made it possible for them to have a new identity, people upon whom God's favor rested. And so here, first of all, Jesus is saying, you are a community that has been set free. The past is gone. Your sin has been forgiven. And now you are a new people under a new covenant made in my blood. The bread and the wine speaking of that new covenant, that new eternal faithful promise from God that he will always be with them and lead them into life. And for us, we join with, I think it was Archbishop Tutu that uh, declared that we are an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. I can't do his accent, but you can hear him saying that. We are an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. That's what we travel in, the joy and freedom of being God's people who are forgiven and set free. That's our identity. We don't need to think of who we are any further than knowing we are a set free people. And hallelujah is the response. So that's the first thing. Jesus helps them to see that they're a community that has been set free by God. Secondly, we see in this credible evening a community that is gathered around Jesus. It's the second characteristic of this community, that they are gathered around Jesus. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. They were all together. Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper epitomizes this in an iconic way. But the focus in that painting and the focus on that evening was all on Jesus. And you recall how Jesus was the center of everything that St. Peter proclaimed on the day of Pentecost when he had re been released from his guilt and shame and the power of the Holy Spirit filled him and he proclaimed on the day of Pentecost this same Jesus whom you have crucified 
Now God has raised from the dead, has become Lord and King. Jesus was the centre of his preaching. And his words and his example inspired him how to live. Not just by himself, but within the context of community. And it's his power and it was his presence that Peter experienced day by day by day. The miraculous power of God and the eternal presence of Jesus. And therefore the Christian community is called to be Christ's community. Christ's church is Christ's church. That is who we are. We are a people gathered around Jesus with him at the centre, at the centre of our whole lives, as we wake up, as we go to bed, in the decisions that we make, in the thoughts that we have, in the choices that we make, in our awareness of our world, as we live with thankfulness, with prayerfulness, with graciousness, and with openness before God. We place Jesus at the centre. So Jesus formed a community that was set free. It knew it itself a liberated, forgiven community. It was a community that was gathered around Jesus with him at the centre. And thirdly, and very, very significantly, it was an imperfect community. The twelve that gathered around Jesus were twelve. And who did that include? Well, they were all imperfect, but they even included Judas, who Jesus knew would betray him. It was Judas' feet that he washed, as well as Peter's and others, every one of them. It was Judas that dipped the bread in the herbs and shared the cup with Jesus too. We read in verse 21 of that passage. The hand of him who is going to betray me is with me on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. They had no idea. Jesus knew but Jesus also trusted Judas right up to that point and included him in that community. And you know, I've often heard people say, you know, with communion, they come forward for communion and bread and the wine, and sometimes people will say, no, I can't take the bread and the wine. I'm not worthy to, to do that. I'm not a very good person. And I have to agree with them. No, you're not a very good person. I'm not a very good person. And none of us, our community is characterized by not very good people. We're all people who have fallen short of the glory of God. We are not worthy to receive. But we come with open hands and receive the signs of God's grace with thanksgiving by faith. So there's no room for judging in the church that Jesus is forming. We don't know what's going on inside one another. 
we have no right to pronounce people good or not. Finally, this community is a community that serves. It was the humility of Jesus that the disciples would never, ever forget. The humility that is the mark of a true disciple of Jesus. In John 13, we read of Jesus' actions. He he was so passionate to make sure that the disciples learnt this lesson, that after the meal, Jesus got up and took this towel. Do you know, I hadn't really appreciated that that had happened after the meal. I always thought that they did the foot washing before the meal. It seems to me that it's come after the meal. I don't know whether you agree with that or not, but anyway, we'll look at that again. But the fact was that Jesus wanted to make sure that they got this understanding of how um, being a true disciple of his was about humility. In John 13, verse 12, Jesus says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Wash one another's feet. That must have been a phrase that just reverberated round in their heads all the time. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Wash one another's feet. And that's the characteristic of this community that Jesus is forming and continues to form. So we cook meals for those who are unable to really cope with life. So we clean the house of the person who is unable to do it for themselves. So we look after the grandchildren of parents who are just about at the end of their rope. We bake a cake for the person who comes into the next door house and say, just thought you might like this. We go on caring day by day for the person we love who's going progressively into dementia. We go on taking the towel and washing their feet, sometimes literally. This was the new commandment Jesus talked about. This is a new kind of community that you are to be. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So this is the new community where love is at the centre. A community that is set free. A community that is centred on Jesus. A community that is imperfect. A community that is intent on serving. In his love, Jesus was forming that community so that it may model the life of Christ in the world. So that after he died and rose again and ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit would equip that community to live that out And the book of Acts shows that wonderfully and terrifyingly because things went wrong as well. But as a church, that is our legacy 
the legacy we've received and the legacy that we live out as we seek to draw close to Christ, a community that is called to be what Christ is forming into, a community that reveals his life and his love in the world. So let us pray. Father, we are in awe of what you have done giving your Son, Jesus Christ, and sending your Spirit that the work, his work, on earth may be continued. Lord, would you continue to form us into the community that you would have us be, that your glory may be revealed and that others may come to you and to know you and to love you and to serve you for the sake of your world that needs your life so desperately. Amen.